What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the chance to hang out with Ben of Asking Alexandria over Zoom video. Ben was born in England, moved to Dubai when he was about five years old, spent a couple years in Dubai, then moved to Saudi Arabia, lived there for a couple years, then moved back to Dubai to finish up high school. And then around 16, 17, his family ended up back in England. But Ben talks about how he got into music. His dad played the blues, guitar, and harmonica. His grandma was a piano player. He has a great uncle who is a really famous conductor. So he has music in his, his DNA. But he talked about how supportive his dad was when he started to play piano and guitar. He got an electric guitar around 12 years old. He talked about forming the first variation of Asking Alexandria when he's living in Dubai. And his dad even built a little studio in their house so he could record them. Once Ben moved to England, he talked about reforming Asking Alexandria with the members that you, you, know, you see today. He was able to convince his family that he was going to take a gap year from university and moved to the States, moved to New Jersey, lived in an RV in a Walmart parking lot. He talked about that a bit. Talked about the rest of the band moving out to the States, them getting signed to their first label. Ben talks about moving back to England with his band still living here in the United States and how they were able to arrange writing and recording the most recent music. And we hear all about Dark Void, their most recent song as well. You can watch our interview with Ben on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Asking Alexandria. Nice to meet you, Ben. So uh, this is a podcast about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about uh, the, the new stuff you have coming out. And you just put a video out in a, in a song. And uh, we'll dive into that as well, if that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, perfect. Sweet, dude. So uh, we always start off with uh, Born and Raised. Where were you born and raised? Um, two different answers to that question, actually. I was born in uh, Wandsworth, South London, uh -huh. uh, and then I ended up moving to the United Arab Emirates when I was like five years old. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents moved us out to Dubai, so I was uh, I lived in Dubai for like four years. Then I lived in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh. Then I went <laughs> back to Dubai. Uh, then I went back to England. And then I moved to the States and so now I'm back in England. So lots of. Uh, lots oh, my of gosh. You moved around quite a bit. Yeah, because I did read that the band started in, when you were in Dubai originally, right? Yeah, originally it was all different members. And um, it was just uh, we we had it was we were a band that started at school, you know, and we um, we had a bunch of different names. And the last name we landed on was Asking Alexandria. And when that band kind of fell apart. I carried I carried on going basically and kept the name, but it's all different people minus myself. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I did see that. Um, well, that, what a fascinating story of moving around. Was it? Did your parents? Was it for your parents' job or something that you guys moved to Dubai originally? Yeah, we moved originally. I think 
basically when I was born, um, England was going through some tough financial times, I think. Um, you know, obviously I don't remember. Uh, but <laughs> sure. my dad got offered a job in advertising. Everyone always goes, oh, your parents in the military or in That's oil. what I was wondering. Yeah, no, not the case. My dad was in advertising and he got offered a job um, in Dubai. And this is before Dubai was what everyone knows it as now, which is essentially an adult's playground. Um, <laughs> you know, when we moved out there, it was just, it literally was just a desert. There was one main road, the Sheikh Zayed Road. There was like one skyscraper on one end, which was called the World Trade Center back then. I don't know if it still is. Um, and then all the way at the other end of the highway, there was a hard rock cafe that you could see. And that was about it, you know, and then you camels walking on the side of the highway and everything. It was, it was nuts. Wow. And then from there you went to, you said Saudi Arabia for a little bit? Yeah. Went to Riyadh. Same thing. My dad's job took in there. We weren't there very long. We were there for maybe two years, um, okay. possibly three. Again, I can't remember. I was so young, but um, then we ended up back in Dubai again anyway. And I was, I stayed in Dubai until I was about 16, um, which is when I moved back to, back to the UK. When you, how, do you remember how old you were when you went from Saudi Arabia back to Dubai? I kind of think so. If I moved to Dubai, the first, I must have been like eight, nine, ten, eleven ish, ten okay. when I went back to Dubai the second time. So it all happened yeah. quite quickly when I was. Quick, quick. Yeah, I was just wondering, like school wise. I mean, that must have been du- tough if you were living in an area and then maybe you made some friends and then it was like, okay, we're moving, we're gonna be here for a little bit, and then it's like, okay, I gotta move back. Is that tough remember, at all? I went, I, I went to a Lebanese school. I think it was Lebanese called Shoifat when I was in Dubai the first time. And I remember, I do remember leaving and being devastated to say goodbye to all my friends. Yeah. Um, and then when we went back a few years later after living in Riyadh, I, uh, all of my friends were still there. They were just like three years older. And so it was, it was kind of cool, actually. Oh, that's we cool. Kind of reconnect with them, yeah. especially when you're yeah. young like that. It, I'm sure it was a little bit easier. I was so it was like Christmas. I was like, I can't believe they're all still here because we hadn't we hadn't like kept in touch. Obviously, with kids, you can't right right no mobile phones or anything back then. So I went back, and they were literally all of them still. I I, I do remember that very vividly. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, did you come from a musical household? Anyone in your family do music? Yeah, my dad. So my dad plays. Uh, he's a blues musician. Plays blues oh. harp. So I have a huge, huge love um, for blues music. Um, and then my grandma played a lot of piano. And then my my great uncle, which I suppose is my grandma's uncle, he was a very famous uh, brass band conductor. He has like an OBE from the Queen of England. So he actually wow. was like legit, legit. So yeah, I think it, I think it runs in the family. I, I got the straggles of talent, I think. <laughs> wow. Well, so grandma played piano and, and your dad's a guitarist. Is Did you start off on piano or, 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 or was it guitar that you started on? I actually started on the piano um, and then I moved on to guitar really quite, I was, I think I was like 11 or 12 when I picked up the guitar and I remember, you know, when I was at school, everyone wanted to learn the guitar. Everyone was like, I want to learn guitar. And all of my friends' parents said, okay, but you have to start with the acoustic and go and get lessons and learn it properly. And if you like it, we'll get you an electric and blah, 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 blah. My dad just came home one day with an electric guitar and was like, here you go. And uh, I just kind of sat down and ended up getting a guitar teacher, but he didn't really teach me much guitar. Like he was uh, he was big into motocross, and I used to race motocross and ride motocross bikes when I. Oh was wow! So we just would sit and talk about motocross instead of learning guitar. 
And funnily enough, I've just moved back to the UK. Um, so I live back in England now with my family. And I bumped into him at the pub. Like he was there at the pub and he lives 10 minutes down the road from me now, which is absolutely insane. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So he's probably like, oh my, like Ben, wow. Like it's good to see you. And then you're, and he's so, probably so stoked that the career that you've built, especially him being your first guitar teacher. Yeah, he's super proud. I mean, I've, I've bumped into him over the years. He's, he always kept in touch with my dad because my dad being a, a blues musician, um, they they kind of connected uh, and played small gigs together and stuff. So they so I, I bumped into him over the years um, with my dad. And he'd be with my dad. Like, oh, how's it going? But, you know, never did I think, you know, we'd bump into each other just by coincidence and that i'd end up living where he lives pretty crazy yeah that is I that is crazy some lessons, actually. i think he owes me a few <laughs> yeah you're like remember we spent all that time talking motocross i think you owe me a couple guitar lessons yeah <laughs> so. i need to learn how to play this thing <laughs> <laughs> uh did you start like having your dad as a guitar player did you go see him play like would he play when you were younger well he only he just really dabbled um on it really and, and so like he was no use really but he was a he played the blues harp mainly that was his main his primary instrument so he was oh, he's wow. an incredible harmonica player and so he kind of just has like a, picks up a guitar and knows just hears notes doesn't know what he's doing doesn't know if he's playing a d or an f sharp or mm -hmm. but he could just hear it i guess uh, he's just a very good um, musician so he helped me when i first got it and we got this thing home um i remember it came with like a little practice amp had a little button on it a little red button that said dist and i was like what is dist and i hit it and it was distortion it was just like bah! and i was like oh man you don't even need lessons to play one of these things this sounds great and i'm just like <laughs> hitting it, and it's making this loud noise and i'm like this is awesome this sounds like all the bands i listen to this is great yeah and i was like we need to figure out some notes so i think the first thing he did was pick up the guitar and like down, 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 down. He listened to it, and then he just figured out the James Bond theme tune. I was like, "Oh hey, wow!" Now you can play something. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Uh, I just hit the red button again and carried on. <laughs> um, after learning guitar, like, how quickly did you want to play with other, like, join a band or play with other people? Was that pretty uh, fast, or was that something you're always interested in doing once you got the guitar? Yeah, it was pretty immediate. I mean. I remember my mom's told me stories of when I was really young, so like two, three years old, sitting in front of the television um, with one of my grandparents' old wooden tennis rackets, um, watching Grease, just pretending <laughs> to just drum along to the movie Grease. So I always wanted to do do it somewhere, you know. And I think as soon as I started having guitar lessons and uh, as soon as I started playing the guitar, I think the first thing I did before starting a band was really I tried to play in some like the school productions. Um, so I'd sort of be behind the scenes playing terribly, I'm sure, uh, while some talented students were acting and I was probably ruining their uh, <laughs> their monologues <laughs> and such. But that's kind of how it started. And then it kind of progressed into, oh, well, one of my friends plays drums. Why don't we have a jam? And it just kind of goes from there, really, and ends up taking over your life. Yeah. Wow. So when you guys, you know, kind of started what was like the first variation of, uh, of asking Alexandria, like, were you playing out quite a bit? Cause from what I read, I believe that you, you guys put a, like an album out, right. Or you put out some music as, in the very, very beginning. Yeah. My dad was like, my dad was so supportive, um, of me, um, and, and sort of wanting to write. I 
always wanted to write. Even when I was like two or three years old and sat on my grandma's piano, I'd always write. weren't very good, but neither are the songs I write now. But, you know, always trying <laughs> to write and compose and stuff. So he was really, really supportive. And so he actually went out and bought a bunch of recording equipment. Um, wow. And he turned his, he had like a, I don't know what you'd call it really. He had his, he had it, in his house, he had his living area with the kitchen. And then he had all the bedrooms. And then in between the bedrooms, there was like like a, a hallway, I guess maybe like a small family room before family rooms were really a thing. And mm-hmm. he just converted it into a studio um, for me. Nothing fancy, nothing crazy. You know, I think that we had like a 12-track a recorder and some speakers stuff. But he did that, you know, and he learned how to use it all. And he went online and he, and he back, these are back in the days where you printed out instructions and you'd read through 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 stuff because there were no tutorial videos and uh, right. yeah he learned he learned so i was very fortunate um when i was young that i was able to write and record um songs and music and albums and um yeah i was really fortunate to have parents that that believed in me that much and even if they didn't believe me even if he was sat there going man this kid is awful you know he still he encouraged me and uh helped me on my journey yeah wow that's um that's amazing that he he did all that just to set up a recording thing so you guys would have you know copies of your your music and a lot of people don't have the support when it comes to playing in a band or pursuing something creative at least just because there's no real like guarantee i guess for for a job or even that well really many more for anything but like back then it was like you know go to college and get a great degree and do this yeah, but to my, be that um, supportive of it yeah my I remember my parents were super supportive my stepdad he was supportive but he, he was a little bit more on the straight and narrow than my <laughs> mom and dad so he was like I'll tell you what you can have a gap year after you finish school and you know if it doesn't work out then we'll go to university and 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 all that stuff and so even if you ask him now he still tells everyone I'm on my gap year it's just been extended <laughs> Oh, so the gap year, you never you uh, the band started doing well enough to where you didn't have to go back, or you didn't Not have really. to go. Oh, you Not just decided, really. you know, this is it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and they, like I said, my parents were always so supportive, and I think he kind of half said it, half jokingly, because they were. I was very fortunate too. They would help help me sort of financially. They weren't. My parents weren't rich by any means. We didn't grow up wealthy or anything like that. But they were just so supportive, and my mom and my dad's kind of philosophy was okay well we'd be paying for you to go to university anyway so that money would be coming out of our pockets so instead of paying for you know exorbitant school fees they knew how passionate I was they knew how badly I wanted this and how much it meant to me so they actually bought me I'm I, I went to America I flew to America and I was like I'm moving to America I gotta I gotta do this I have to go and so I had nowhere to live and, and nowhere to go and I came here so they bought me uh an rv and they were like well this is your university money here's an rv so i i I lived in a walmart parking lot in an rv my parents purchased uh for quite some time what part of the united states did you live la no no uh new jersey of all places um okay but i kind of i think new jersey because i'd managed to obviously find a group of friends in England to to join my band and convince them that moving to the States all on our own with nothing was a good idea. And so when we looked it up, like how much were flights? How do we get to the States? I think the cheapest flight was to Jersey. It was flying to Newark. And I think probably because it was so close, 
So we were like, well, we'll fly there and then we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, we quickly discovered that J- Jersey was part of the tri-state area. So there was New mm-hmm. York right there. You know, we had Pittsburgh, Philly. We had New York City. New- uh, we had loads of the different cities in Jersey. And so we were like, cool. And we just started doing circuits around around the sort of the tri-state area. Wow. So did the- so once you had moved back to, to England and you, you guys you reformed the band, Every all of you all moved out to the states together. Yeah, well, kind of. So there were obviously parents that were reluctant. They're like, <laughs> "You guys, you guys, one, you barely know each other. Two, you can't just move to the states. Like, you can't do that. Like, how are you supposed to get there? Uh-huh. What about visas? What about all that stuff?" So at first, it was me and James, uh, our drum player, whose parents are like, "Go for it." So we flew out just the two of us. Um, and the other three were kind of still back in England trying to convince their parents, please let us go. Danny, I think, was next to join. His parents were super supportive of the whole thing. Cameron and Sam's parents were a little bit more, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? But eventually, <laughs> right. you know, all, all the parents, I think the parents all had a meeting. They all got together, I think, and sat down and discussed it. I don't think they knew each other or anything, but they all met and um, were like, are we going to let them do this? And, you know, they did. Thankfully. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, r- yeah. real quick. So before you, you all moved to, or you moved to Jersey, you had moved back to England and then you picked up the band or you, you kind of reformed it once you got there. Yeah. And I like, how did you meet the other people, you know, before you decided to move to Jersey? So when I moved back to England, a lot of the previous band members that from Dubai moved back to England as well. So we tried, we tried to give it a go, but it was just, it was just, I mean, you know, it goes without saying, but it's such a tough industry to sort of get into. And so I remember right. we, played, we played some shows and th- there were shows we were playing where there was zero people there. We were playing in front of, you know, the bartender who probably had earplugs in, you know, and it was, it was <laughs> tough. It was really hard. So they all, you know, probably did the smart thing and, and um, well, like, we can't, we can't keep doing this. You know, it's, uh, we've tried. And I just wasn't ready to to sort of give up on it yet. I was like, man, I don't I don't have any other like desires, you know, to do anything mm-hmm. else. So I carried on and I found the other members. And basically, I, I met Danny, and Danny introduced me to. Um, Danny actually didn't know James, but he said there's a local band that's playing at a pub, and there's loads of hype around them. People love this this band for a local band. They were, they had quite a good following, and, and I went. And James just blew me away. You know, like it was a very, very heavy band, way heavier than asking has ever been. But mm. he was just so good on the kit. I was like, this is insane. I need this guy. So I went to meet him and I was like, hey, how's it going? And I played it cool. And uh, I was like, I'm in a band too. And he was like, oh, really? Kind of like he didn't give a <laughs> shit because he was a shit, you know? You're right, you're right. Uh, and he wasn't like, he went, oh, cool. And they carried on talking to the bartenders to get a drink or whatever. And I was like, yeah. I'm actually signed in America. And he was like, what? I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I didn't have a record label or anything. So I was like, yeah, but anyway, man, uh, it'd be good to have a drink sometime or something. And I like, gave him my number and I left. And he ended up calling me to ask more questions. And uh, we started hanging out and just really got on and made some cool songs. And we're like, yeah, he was like, you know what? I like this. I like these songs. I like what we're doing. Are you really signed? And I was like, I'm not. 
I'm not okay. <laughs> I was wondering uh, where that came in. Or he's like, yeah. okay, so you're like, here's here's the deal. Like, I just made that. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, damn. He was like, well, I like the songs. So thankfully, like, we'd been jamming and writing songs and playing. And he was like, I like these songs. So let's do it. Even if it is, you know. And he was like, I'll be in two local bands. Who cares? Uh huh. That's funny. And then how do you convince him and and everybody else to be like, you know, uh, leave that other band. We're moving to America. We're going to really take a, a stab at this. So I think basically what happened was I managed to convince everyone to fly to America to record some demos because there was a producer that recorded loads of bands that we really liked. And I was like, what if we could get him to record us? And everyone's like, he's not going to record us. He's working with big bands already. He's an established producer. And so I emailed him. And I remember he's told me since he was like, I ignored the email at first, but I kept getting drawn back to it. And he said, the only reason I said, yes, I'll record you guys is because I'd never, he had never recorded a foreign band before. So to him, it was like a bucket list thing. He was like, oh, well, it would be cool to record someone from another country. I want to see, he was curious to see what the differences would be. And I guess, you know what I mean? So yeah. we to do a couple of demos for us. So we flew out, our parents bought us all tickets. We flew out for like a week uh, to Indiana, Connorsville, Indiana, of all places where he was, was from. And we just recorded some demos with him. And uh, we came back and we put the demos up on MySpace, if you remember MySpace. Oh, yeah. And they just got traction and, and people were listening. Like we weren't signing. We, I don't know how people found us, but we were getting like 30,000 plays a day at one point. And we were like, what? This is insane. Um, and so we were like, maybe we could get signed off these numbers. And so we sent out to countless record labels and no one was interested. We always got the same responses. You need to establish yourselves. You need a, a fan base. You need a following. You need this, you need this, you need management. No one was interested. So we just took it upon ourselves. We went back uh, to the producer and we like, we want to do an album, but we don't have any money. We don't have a record deal and we really want to do this. So we booked in the time um, to go do this album. And then before we even flew out, uh, we got a call. Well, we got an email actually from Sumerian Records. Uh, mm -hmm. They'd heard our stuff online, I guess. And uh they were like, we want to sign you. Here's a contract. We knew nothing. We were kids, didn't know anything. We didn't even read it. We just signed the contract. <laughs> of course, just, though. It's like a label wants us. It's, it's our time. Yeah. And I've been trying to get signed, mind you, since I was like 12. My mum my and I would sit in the kitchen and my dad would burn CDs at his house, bring them over to my house, stacks of CDs. My mum would help me put them in envelopes and handwrite all the addresses for all the record labels around the world. And we'd send them off in the mail. And I never held the press kits money. back then. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I did all of that. And so when, when I finally got a contract come through, I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I just signed it. I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> well, well that worked out. I mean, you put out a bunch of records with that label. Yeah, it did work out, you know, and it's, um, it's nice to have had a long standing relationship um with a record label too and i think they were quite a small label at the time and so i think you know it was helpful to that we helped each other grow and we grew together which mm -hmm. i think is a slightly different thing than if you get chucked in at the deep end and you're you're no one and you get thrown on a massive record label 
you can kind of get lost in the shuffle of things. So, you know, I think it was it was great to be on a label that was they knew what they were doing to a certain extent, just like we mm. knew what we were doing to a certain extent. You know, uh, we knew what we both knew what we wanted to do. And it, it kind of just worked out. You know, and I think we, we both uh, were really good for each other at the time. That's amazing. So once you put that or record that record, do you stay in the, the States from then on for a while at least? Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. We we stayed in, in the US. I think we um everyone still lives in America to this day. You know, I I, I moved back to England just uh, recently and we were there for a very long time. And I, I had just got to the point where I think COVID hit. Um, I'd already been homesick anyway. I've been homesick for quite a few years. Um, uh-huh. I'm really close with my parents, obviously and my uh my sister and so i was getting more of my homesick my grandparents had started dying you know while i was overseas and stuff and and you really start to realize like man i'm i'm really out here on my own you know Mm -hmm. you've 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 not you've made relationships but your family's all back home so i was struggling anyway internally quite quite a bit and then when covid hit it kind of really hit home when i couldn't go back i Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get home to see my family i was like this is really it puts life I think into perspective and you just start really taking time seriously like wow time we don't just have an endless amount of time you know so for me that was the beginning of sort of talking about planning to move move back home uh to England with my family and here here we are yeah that yeah I can't imagine being in another country and not being able to go back home I mean yeah my it was tough yeah, my family and I, we, I'm from San Diego and I was born Razor, uh, but my, my wife and kids and I, we moved to Nashville. I know you guys are just here shooting some stuff, which is rad, but uh, uh, we moved to Nashville like two and a half years ago. And it's just, it's weird not, you know, being, we always had family like within a few miles and my in-laws ended yeah. up moving out here, but it was just like so weird in the beginning. It was like, we, didn't, we have no one out here. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's hard. I mean, the introduction of FaceTime really helps. Um, oh, yeah. Helps keep my relationship going with my family back home and my, my kids with my parents and stuff. But I think it really hit me. My dad is terrible. He does his wife when she's at work. Like, he, is, he doesn't, his phone is not a thing. Like, he's so old school. And so I never, I didn't see him in those two years, not going home because I didn't FaceTime him. I didn't get to, he didn't have it. And so yeah. I was at my sister's house one day, um, probably about two years into this thing. And um, I hadn't seen him in all that time. I'd actually not seen him for about a year prior to that either. It'd been about three years because I'd seen him. Then I was in the States for a year planning on going back and then, and then everything shut down. So I was like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. So I saw him on my sister's FaceTime when he was at our house. She was like, talk to dad. I was like, yeah. And I saw him and he'd aged a lot in three years, you know. Oh, yeah. And he had like white hair, uh, wrinkles, all this stuff I had never seen like before. And I think that was the moment where I was like, I got to go. Like, I can't be here anymore. I have to go home. This is insane. Yeah. I'm missing life uh, with the people that are most important to me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually kind of am thankful for um for COVID, it you know, it made me realize quite a few things. It was it brought me home to my wife and kids as well. Like I was touring constantly, always on the road. And I'd just been trained almost to do that from such a young age. Like, no, you have to tour, you have to be out, go home for a week, you know, shit in a normal toilet, and then right back out. Go, go, yeah. go, go. <laughs> you know, we weren't allowed to just be human beings. 
And so when when COVID came, it forced us all to stop and slow down. And I kind of was like, whoa, like, where the hell what's happened in my life? Like, it's just all flown by. And so I was happy to sit home and and be with my kids and my wife and and uh, it completely changed changed a lot. You know, and I think COVID changed a lot for a lot of people, you know, it's not mm-hmm. just me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm quite thankful for it. I think it was almost like the world telling everyone, guys, slow down. Yeah, you know? everybody, let's 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 take a moment and pause here. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. obviously, there was a ton of destruction and death and everything. But yeah, I mean, to it have was, that it was time. A bad, it was it was a bad time, you know. And it was it was man, businesses. I mean, even like bands are uh, um, asking Alexandria, you know, not being able to tour. All of our crew got made redundant. We weren't able to bring in money from touring. Um, so people's jobs, people's livelihoods, people's health. You know, so many yeah. people suffered um my sister works in care and her husband worked in care so the things oh, she man. was seeing and telling us i was like man this is brutal but again i think that just added to my longing of wanting to go home and be with my family because you just kind of like nothing's a given you know 100 percent. things like this happen out of nowhere you know and i got covid way back when it first i got covid right before they announced or knew about covid uh-huh. you got it when so it was called Ill. the coronavirus yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just kidding. But I got it, and I went to the, the doctors, and they didn't know what it was. They were like, "I don't, we don't know what's wrong with you." But I couldn't breathe. I couldn't oh breathe. wow! And my chest was messed up for like six months, and obviously, after about a month of having it, people figured out, "Oh, there's this thing called coronavirus," and that's what's going on. So I freaked. I was like, "I'm gonna die." I'm oh hell yeah that, it was scary man because back in the beginning do you remember it was like it was dude it was like, like yeah you go outside and like wipe down your groceries and like the bag yeah, and show up to the door like goodbye to your kids and your wife to go to the grocery store like i love you all so much you know and you have to go out there and be like like you're sacrificing right. remember me exactly. you know what i mean and you're out yeah. there like oh, just <laughs> wipe everything your- down i was like this is insane <laughs> Yeah, I were I went at the time I bef- before I started doing this podcast full time. I was on the terrestrial radio, radio in, in in California for a number of years, and we were like essential workers. So I'd have to go into the radio station. And I remember coming back. My wife's like, "You have to take off." Like I had to take all my clothes, leave Outside them there. Outside the front door, yeah, yeah, just run Toast into the shower as fast as I could. Like it was yeah, brutal. And it was it was brutal. And you know, I don't. A lot of people now will be like, oh, we are uh, overreacting stuff. But it's like, I mean, if you look back. It, In the moment, man, no one knew what the hell was going on. No one knew what it was. And I think this is going to be something that's taught in history books. You know, like we learn about the plague. We learn about mm-hmm. great fires and, and all these things and, and, and wars and stuff. And it's like, I, I genuinely feel like this moment in history will be taught in, in history books. Oh, like, yeah. It, it's like biggest thing ever. I mean, the whole world was it was shut yeah. down that's what's just blows my mind you know like you talk you're talking to your family in england and it's like they're stuck inside right i mean it wasn't like a localized thing it was like the entire planet was it was everyone all suffering it was from right it was crazy and then you really feared for your kids too because they'd be like kids and elderly people are really susceptible to it and i'm like at the time i had two young kids and then I had two more kids born during COVID. And th- I'll tell you. Oh, my gosh. That was, a, that was a weird experience. Like, we got in the hospital, gave birth, and they were like, get the hell out. Go, go, <laughs> yeah. go. And I'm like, 
what? You haven't t- detached the baby yet. No, sorry. Go, go, go. Like, but oh, even having to go to the doctor's visits, I couldn't even imagine that, man. That's 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 scary. It was I wasn't even allowed in to the doctor's visits when my, my wife was getting, you know, making sure the baby was healthy checked and in. Yeah. Oh I wasn't even allowed in. I'm like, I'm her husband uh, and me and my kids would just sit in the car waiting. Like it was that crazy. It, it was weird. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I want to, I'm curious, but I want to back up real quick because uh, you put, you guys put a record out in 2020. I was wondering like, how did that affect, or even the next in 2021, was, was that affected at all by the pandemic? We actually put two records out in, during the pandemic. And I remember the first one in 2020, they're talking about like a house on fire. Everyone yeah. was, at that point, no one had been putting records out on mm-hmm. music everyone pushed all their dates and i remember talking to our label at the time like, i don't want to push it i, I want to put it out and everyone's like no it's not the right time you can't tour you can't do this you can't you know um and i, I just remember thinking but now it's a time more than ever that people need music people mm-hmm. like for me growing up music was so important you know obviously as we briefly figured out my parents split up uh i was quite young when it happened and music for me was something i lent on like i, I needed music at that period of my life and it helped me and, and all i could think of was like this is why i started music i didn't start music to to tour and be famous and all this stuff and you know i started music with the because i loved it and it helped me and i hoped that maybe even if one person heard it, it would help them and so mm-hmm. it was a big conversation and i was like come on let's do it and they, they did they said okay will release music during covid and i don't think you just don't know you don't know if it would have done better or if it would have done worse you, you never know but i'm glad right. we made the decision to do it and then i remember getting a tour booked a headline tour because everyone in the beginning if you remember everyone was like it's only going to be a few weeks yeah it was so we just two weeks to flatten the curve exactly so we pushed <laughs> our tour and rebooked it and we're like cool and then we pushed it again. And then we pushed it again. And I was like, oh, man. And I remember our manager called me saying, there's no touring, dude. And I'm like, well, when, when can we do it? And he was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that touring is going to come back ever at this point. And I was like, wow. And I remember crying. I was so yeah. disappointed because we'd worked so hard on putting this tour together and and releasing the record um, and all that stuff. Hey, kiddo, can you give me a second? Hey, you can just sit over there if you want. Okay, kiddo. And uh, we worked so hard. I have a seven-year-old. It's all good. <laughs> he's a, you're never too far behind me, are you? Yeah. Let me just jump sit on the sofa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was I was so gutted. I, I remember I actually remember being outside my house, pacing, talking to my manager, crying. And I was like, well, that's that now, you know. And at that point, it was still so early on in the pandemic. I mean, we're talking. It's your livelihood. I mean, that's, I'm sure where, you know, you have to get out on tour because it's a big part of it. Yeah. You know, that's what pays the mortgage. That's what pays pays the bills, you know. And yeah. So it, it was scary. But like I said, I ended up learning a lot from it and actually realizing that you can you can find a way to to to, to get by. You know, you can you can downsize houses, you can you can downsize your car, you can you can live off of less money to a certain extent. But so long as, you know, you're together and you've got the people around you that you love, that's that's what became important to me. And so 
you know, it just put things into perspective. And, you know, hopefully those are lessons that I can take with me and instill in my kids too and sort of <clears throat> explain to them what's what's important, you know, because you forget, don't you, when you're younger? You forget yeah. you're important. That's it, you know, at the time. Yeah, um, me, not thee. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's good. It's a good point. Well, um... I, I'll just, I know you, you, you're a busy, busy guy. Um, and so I'll, I only have a few more questions, but I want to talk to you about your new album, but just a real, real quick, like, what was it like when you guys signed the label and then like that first album does really well. And even the next one does really, really well. I mean, you, you start seeing the success and were you seeing, you know, once you signed the label, you, it sounded like you had just moved to the States and like trying to form like a fan base and stuff here. Was that something that you guys saw? Like, were you just seeing more and more fans show up or was there like a moment or a, or a song or something that kind of changed it for you? No, we were just seeing more and more. And, you know, we were pretty relentless. You know, I think people actually, we weren't allowed to stop. That's kind of what I was getting on at earlier. Like it was uh -huh. tour after tour after tour. And sometimes I remember we did a tour and then we started a new tour like the next day. And it was just oh round gosh. and round and round. And actually, like, by the time we got to 2013 and we did our third album, we were broken, like broken human beings. We were just kind of like shells of people, you know, and, and it actually it was it was a pretty devastating time. And it, and it took a long time to get back from it. Danny, our vocalist, left uh -huh. for a record cycle. You know, we were all struggling with um, alcohol and various addictions and. It was just like, this is really, really tough. And then once Danny left, he was my original best friend in the band. Yeah, yeah. He was the one that I found first when we redid this whole thing. And so when he left, it was like, what am I doing? But again, at that point, I had nothing else to, to fall back on. I didn't go to school. I didn't do anything. And I was just told, you know, time and time again, all these other bands are going to take your spot. And if you keep going, you have to keep going. Find a new singer. Keep going. And so we did. And we didn't take time to sort of realize what was going on. And 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 we didn't take time for ourselves to fix ourselves or heal ourselves or the people around us that cared. And we just kept kind of going. And, and I, again, that's why I'm so thankful for COVID because it forced us to stop. And it gave mm -hmm. us perspective and it, it allowed us to go, whoa, we're humans. Like, we this is insane. Like, we, I don't know. I feel like I'm a hundred years old. You know, how, how many hours we've put in. Yeah. You've and been around the world and been constantly been going and going and going. And now you've got your, an eighth album coming out soon. I mean, that's wild. My, my wife said that to me the other day. She's like, your eighth album is coming out. And I was like, yeah, that's a lot. And she was like, <laughs> you need to you need to rest you know because even though even though we've not been doing much it's still like there's still always people wanting something from you people needing songs or you know whatever it may be so it's really it's it gets it's it's a lot it's a lot of work you know and I, and I think everyone works hard these days and I think that's a bit of a problem in especially in western cultures we all are told you have to work 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 and then uh -huh. by the time you're old enough to not work anymore and you've hopefully saved enough to retire, you're tired and you're old. Your kids have grown up and moved out. You know, uh, the world's 200 degrees Celsius warmer because of global warming. <laughs> <laughs> Sweltering. <laughs> it's like, damn. I oh, wish my. I had taken more time for, for, for myself and my family when I was younger. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, with you living now in England, like was this record already complete once you had made the move or was that a difficult process to kind of write with you here or there and the rest of the guys here in the States? It was kind of difficult. Um, we were like sort of halfway through. And then, so I moved back to England and our producer was like, well, what are we going to do now? And our, our drummer, because so, I'm I'm the primary songwriter, I write music with our uh-huh. producer. And then it goes to James next, our drummer. And and then it goes, you know, it makes its way uh-huh. around from there. So my producer's like, what are we supposed to do? And I, you, I can't fly from England to Arizona over and over again, back and forth. Um, right. I flew to Arizona a couple of times to do some sessions with him. And it was like, this is a lot. So I ended up going, okay, well, I, this is permanent. I'm, I live in England now, and our producer lives in Arizona, and our drummer James lives in Texas. Our bassist lives in Nashville. Our vocalist lives in Florida, you know. And oh, guys. wow. So I'm like, I have to figure something out. Kind of sick, you know. And so I met, I bit this room I'm sitting in, it's still half, it's still, it's structurally sound now, but I built the studio. Um, and it, I probably finished it about, it probably got finished about a week and a half ago. So now it's oh, just wow. interior painting and stuff, but I was it like, looks I great. yeah, man. So it was a lot, but I've actually just now, fin- in fact, I've still got one more thing left to record for the record uh, that I need to hand in, but I've been in here the last week, finishing the album and sending stuff back and forth. So it's been a, that's been wild. Yeah. So you're pretty much doing it remote from there. Yeah. That's amazing. Though. That's amazing. Um, well, do, th- thank you so much, uh, Ben, for doing this, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. You guys filmed some stuff here in Nashville. You said your bass player is here. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in, uh, um, Hendersonville, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know that. Yeah, that's no, a little north no, of me. Just moved to Franklin. Oh, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah, well, go. if you're ever around, if you're in, if you're ever back in this in Nashville, um, let me know. But um, I appreciate you doing this today. Thank you so much. I'll let you get back to to dad time. I have one more quick question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. You know, I think my biggest advice, and I think I've said it a few times, is just surround yourself with people who are as driven as you are, because that's the hardest thing. If you're if you're solo. That's that's a wonderful thing. You have yourself to worry about. But if you are in a, a group or a band, it's hard. It really, truly is like a marriage and a relationship. And it's hard. You know, it's really, really hard having trying to align everyone and everyone's lives. And it only gets harder. It doesn't get any easier. You know, as people start having their own lives and stuff. And so, if you can surround yourself with people who have the same sort of beliefs as you and drive and everything, I think that's the biggest part of the battle because you can always come together and have the same focus in the same direction and the same end goal. Uh, and that's how I think that's the best way to, to sort of make it work and keep it going. Yeah.